Hey there, everybody. How you doing? It's Josh the Renegade Butcher, and I know, not in the car. Holy shit. Hi, I see over there, Backwoods Butcher says first. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. As I've been talking about this week, guys, I've been uh, working to try to get some stuff set up at the house. Pardon me, being a little disoriented, getting all my stuff together. It's not right where I'm used to it in the car. But here I am. I've got uh, sheets and blankets and stuff set up around me because the audio, and I'm sure it still is a little bit, is a little bit echoey because it's a room with bare walls. So um, I'm going to do some sound deadening and things like that. For now, I think this will work. <laughs> bullshit, Golden Cricket says. Well, uh, I'm not sure bullshit about whether I'm not in the car or whether it's for soundproofing. Uh, really what it is is so you can't see the bodies on the other side. No. <laughs> I am just loud. I, I am a very loud person. I can't uh, I can't help it. Even when I try to speak lowly, my my voice carries. So especially at the the low range, yeah, look at the guy in a building. I know, it's crazy. They actually do have buildings in Texas, believe it or not. Well, here, I'll tell you what, just to make Kyle feel a little bit better, because I know he's missing it already. Let's see, what can I do here? I'm sure I can do something. Yeah, yeah, okay, here we go, here we go. Does that make you feel any better? Or if I do the fake background, does it feel more like at home? Sorry the dome light was on when I took this picture. I can't really turn that off. I don't have the switch in front of me. The edges are blurry because I don't actually have a green screen. Maybe, maybe, guys, I'll, I'll set up a green screen if you buy enough spices. <laughs> I won't leave it on, though, because it does kind of slow down my uh, my computer a bit. It tries really hard to... Uh, to deal with that background and it's a lot of computing power for it to uh, attempt to keep that going it has to constantly calculate what isn't the background so anyways guys oh there we go oh you were talking to kyle yeah that's that's fine too you can you can talk shit to kyle all you want i do all the time so we all enjoy it we all enjoy messing with the old backdoor butcher <laughs> oh i blipped out there for a second all right guys so anyways um hey we're at episode 58 that means we're two episodes away from the big giveaway. Yeah, that's right. The big 50th episode giveaway. It's been about a year that I've been doing this, and I've been consistent until the beginning of this year. We're coming up on episode 50. Man, unless you guys pull some miracles, I haven't looked at the count lately, but I don't think we're going to hit that 1,000 followers by then. But it was a fun goal anyway. We have great, uh, gained some ground there. Um, I should look while I'm sitting here talking. I want to say made it up to a, somewhere right about 500, which is actually pretty decent. Let's see if it will show me here. 474. So haven't lost any, that's for sure. Uh, but anyways, so I'll still make sure we have some good prizes involved there, though. But we have some other creators that want to throw some things in, too. Um, I know Brian from the Lots Projects wants to pound, throw in, uh, I think it's going to be a pound. Maybe it was two pounds. I know at least one pound of his GSD blend coffee, so that's ready to go. He's got it ready to ship out and roll whenever we do that giveaway, which should probably be next Tuesday. If I sneak in one extra bonus episode this week, which I do plan to do, most likely be, uh, shoot, I'm trying to find a day. It may be a Friday thing because uh, every day there's something going on in the evening. I may sneak one in as a late night evening type thing if uh, something's going on. Uh, it will depend on the Noster Nest schedule, too, and uh, do one like that. And then next Tuesday would be episode 50. If not, it'll be shortly thereafter. So we're going to try to make it a big thing. 
And uh, hey, I want to do the drawing here from the house. So another big creator that's throwing some stuff in. We've got uh, Robin Holstein from the Holstein House podcast. She is, I believe, throwing in a mug or a T-shirt or both. Don't quote me on that, but uh, it may be both. So I'll get with her over the next week and we will get all that arranged and figure out exactly what we're doing with it. And not at all, not last, I'm sure, and not least, Toolman Tim is going to throw in a year of the Patch of the Month Club. Um, I had some things that he was interested in, some uh, alternate currency. Uh, it's uh, these gold backs, uh, paperized. They're gold-infused paper that basically is worth... Sorry, guys. Don't know what happened there. But anyways, back to it. Um, <laughs> the feds got me. No. Uh, so Tim was interested in some of these basically gold-coated, uh, you know, paper bills that they, they use in some uh, states. They call them goldbacks. So it's kind of more of a hard currency thing. He just thought they were cool. So uh, we were working out a trade, and he offered me uh, a half, uh, half a year of the Patch of the Month Club in exchange for it. And I said... That's great, but man, I, I'm just never been a patch guy. I said, how about we throw that in as the giveaway for uh, for my 50th, uh, 50th show, the, the half-anniversary, half-century show? And uh, he goes, if we're going to do it as a giveaway, just make it a year. So it works out. Barter opportunity turned into a big bonus prize. That's uh, that's big, guys. I think that's $100 a year value. So if you you don't want to miss it if you want to get in on that, uh, that free patch of the month club a year of that with Toolman tim so if you are a creator or you have something cool that you want to share i know kyle was talking about potentially working something in there too with some skulls or whatnot i don't know if he's gonna have time um yeah he says i'm pretty glitchy but it's still good yeah there's uh it's one of those two it's peak demand time and it's a it's kind of a holiday week so i don't know we'll see how it goes but if i blip out a little bit i blip out a little bit it happens in the car too um, anyways, let's see here. Oh, hey, Sam. How's it going? We have Sam's back and likes gloves. Uh, but anyways, yeah, if, if you're a creator or you have something cool, if you have an online shop, if you're trying to promote your stuff, this is a good opportunity to get it out in front of some eyes and get it out on my show because not only are you marketing it to the people who are watching the show live, all of the social media stuff I do surrounding it, all of the podcasts that go out there and they're evergreen, that's going to have your name and your channel and everything out there. So, hey, that's how we cross promote. That's how we grow. If you're interested in getting in on it, you want to give something away, even if it's $10, $15 worth of something, let me know. Let me know. We'll get you worked in and uh, we'll be sure to include that. So let's see here. Da, 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 da. What Lisa says. So what kind of bribes are we talking about to get in on your drawing? As a judge following OG, you should get an invite. Yes, yeah, everybody. I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to do. I thought about doing a pre, pre-show sign-up type thing and email list and all that fun stuff. And I think I may actually go ahead and do that 
to an extent, I have an email list on the website. So I'll go ahead and say I'm going to do one special prize that is a drawing from specifically people that from today to the 50th episode. So basically a week. If you go and sign up to the email list at renegadebutcher.com, you really can't miss it. Or if you do, scroll all the way to the bottom and there's a place that you can follow me and sign up to the email list. Or there's an option if you create an account. Anyways, I really don't spam it. I don't use it near as much as I should. But if I was ever off social media, it's good to have those contacts. So since I don't promote that much, here's one thing I'll do. Everybody who signs up for the email list between now and then, there will be one prize specifically for that pool. So go check it out, sign up, and uh, that's one way to be in. The other way is to be here live for episode 50, because I want to do the majority of the big prizes to the live audience. I want to see people show up. I want to see people involved. I don't want to just uh, do a random drawing of a bunch of names out of a hat that were probably a bunch of fake email addresses and then have a bunch of prizes that never get, get given out. I want uh, the value for value and proof of work. If you want the prize, I want you to show up. And we're going to uh, we're going to draw from everybody who shows up. We very well may use that StreamYard giveaway tool with the uh, the hashtags and stuff, kind of like Brian does on his Friday shows. We'll see if I want to go that route or not. I've got a week to decide. So let's see here. And uh, yep, Sam Coker down here really loves gloves. If you guys didn't know, Sam loves gloves. He's uh, he's actually kind of a super fan. He shows up to a lot of shows, uh, especially on my Tuesday night lives, and loves to talk about his gloves and ask what gloves I have in the car. I don't have any gloves at home or in the car right now, Sam. And uh, he just seems to really enjoy them. He, he has a love for the glove. No glove, no love. So uh, give uh, give Sam some love, guys, and be sure to tell him all about the, the gloves that you have. It seems to be something very special to him. Um, yes, looks like I'm in a cave in Afghanistan. Okay, that's uh, give me a moment here while I'm talking. No. <laughs> Anyways, guys, so uh, I had a, a question today, though. I had a question from uh, Golden Crickets that's here in the audience, and she was asking, and feel free to chime in on this. Hold on here. Type this in while I'm sitting here talking. Uh, feel free to chime in on this if I get anything wrong or if you want any uh, additional information on it. But she was basically saying they're going to be processing some sheep soon. Now, while processing these sheep, they'd like to be able to do bone-in cuts but they don't have a bandsaw, which most people don't have a commercial bandsaw. And I highly, highly, highly suggest that you do not, uh, let's see this here quick, um, that you don't try to cut it up with like your shop bandsaw. You'll never get it clean. It will never happen. It's impossible. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and it, it will smell like death forever, or you will short out your electronics trying to clean them. So that said, um, there are a few ways around it. Obviously, doing the mobile side of things, I have had to find some interesting ways around it. And here we go, Robin. I'm going to get you taken care of here just to keep that uh, that vibe going. And there we go. I am in a cave in Afghanistan now just for you. Um, anyways, let's see here. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I've got to kill that because it makes my screen so glitchy, but it's fun. It's fun to play with. Way too much fun to play with. If you're listening to the audio side of this, I'm changing my virtual backgrounds on my, my live stream. Anyways, <laughs> Kyle's wife wants to know what's wrong with us. Okay, so anyway, and I'm sure Kyle will have some input on this as well. And uh, if you do, 
feel free to uh, to jump in there, and I can always add you to the stream towards the end or something here. I just wanted to get catch up on uh, what's been going on and talk about that uh, big episode coming up. But uh, yeah, so into the questions though. So as far as doing the bone in cuts, we were talking about it a bit in chat, and I think it was James that suggested using a reciprocating saw, and that would be my first go to as well with some uh, some caveats and some instructions on how to actually use that properly to not really make a mess. Uh, or he had said using a chainsaw where you, you just change out the blade or whatnot. First of all, I really would not recommend a chainsaw. Um, I've, I've seen it done. I've uh, experienced the uh, after effects of that being done. And it's generally not good. Now, I would say if you ever were going to try to split a beef with a, a chainsaw, Get a brand new sharp blade, preferably be an electric chainsaw so you don't have to worry about the smoke and shit being up all in the meat because it will absorb. And I would replace the bar oil. I would brand new clean, never touched anything else. Have used like vegetable oil or something like that in the bar oil. Just something food grade or uh, a thick mineral oil. Something that's not going to poison you. So be very careful when it comes to that. Uh the other thing is a chainsaw, because of its ripping action, basically just shatters the bones. If you split a beef down the back, you have bone chips all throughout the loins. You're going to be picking little pieces, little shards of bones out of ribeyes and things. It's it's not ideal. It's just too rough for the job. So a reciprocating saw does very well if you have the right blade. I know a lot of folks are very big fans of Diablos, especially the pruning blades. Um, they're great for when you're splitting beef. For me... For the finer cuts, and especially on smaller stuff, I like, there's a Lennox brand that uh, that Lowe's carries. I've, I love Diablo blades for 90% of things, but I've never found one that works this well in Diablo. I wish I could because I have a Home Depot 20 miles from me, and the nearest Lowe's is like 45. So I stock up when I can. Uh, and I do try other blades, but I still haven't found a good replacement. Uh, their label is extra sharp. They're a bimetal blade. They're finer toothed. Now, when you get to something small, especially something delicate like goats and sheep, um, venison, pork, beef as well, but a little bit less so, when you're cutting it, if you're cutting it, if you're cutting the meat with a reciprocating blade, it's going to make it look terrible. It tears the meat all the way through. So your goal is to only ever cut bone with the blade. You want to go and pre-cut every bit of meat that you can and just open it up to where you're cutting that bone whenever possible. When I split the animal, I typically am doing it from the inside. And do mind you that because this blade has no support and they can flex, that makes it difficult. Kick that thing back at a 45-degree angle while you're splitting it down and take your time. Gauge each vertebrae as you go. And... You'll probably mess it up. It takes practice. Even I have some that get split a little bit off, and I've done it quite a bit. Commercial saws have a bar on them that makes that a uh, little bit less uh, difficult. But it's like a, a combination of a chainsaw and a reciprocating saw the way it's designed. It's a specialized tool. Uh, they're very, very expensive, and I would not recommend anybody try to get one for home use. It's just not worth it. Um, I don't I mean, at my scale, it's not even worth the financial outlay. So that tells you anything. As far as table cuts, like you want to do bone-in chops and things like that, it all can be done with a reciprocating saw. Um, I'm going to link one here in the chat in just a minute. I'm going to get around to some of these comments in just a bit, but before I forget any of these points, I want to do that. 
Let me find it here. I saved a couple of these links. Yes, I'm going to link an Amazon link, and this is just one example. Uh, when it comes to a reciprocating saw, especially for cuts that actually matter, um, not with the splitting, especially on large animals like bigger pork and beef, I like just my regular old reciprocating saw. Um, with those Lennox extra sharp blades that does work very well. You can get away with a rougher blade in this part of it on something like lambs or sheep, a finer blade is probably better because they are so soft. You're just going to rip right through it. And honestly on pork, I'll use a dull blade when I can, because I want to go a little bit slower. Uh, this particular model though, is a single hand reciprocating saw. Um, you start to see a lot of these. There are some other ones. There is a Lennox brand as well, or it's a Kodak. Kodiak? Cobalt, pardon me, Cobalt with a K brand that uh, Lowe's carries as well. Uh, that's a corded model. There are cordless. I have a rigid cordless. All the rigid cordless they sell now are a little bit different, but it's it's been a great saw for me. Uh, the nice thing about a lot of these is the weight is distributed. Uh, like the motor a lot of times is behind the hand or it's got the battery behind the hand. That's the counterbalance. So it's like using a big single hand fillet, electric fillet knife. If you've ever used like an electric carving knife or an electric fillet knife, it's a lot like using that. It's balanced. It's in one hand. You've got your other hand free to be able to manipulate and move that meat out of the way. Don't cut yourself with a damn blade and then carefully get in and cut where you need to. And as long as you do all your pre-cuts on the meat, that does work very well. And it is a pretty precision tool. You'll still have to go in and use something to scrape off all the bone dust and everything. We talked a little bit in the chat uh, too about why you may want to remove the paint from the blades before that's up to you just know that that paint's going to wear off on the bone and it's probably going to stay on the bone so keep that in mind if you're concerned you know, concerned about consuming paint there are ways to strip the blades of paint you can get paintless blades but the, those blades usually suck uh, so that is one model that you could grab there are a lot of other ones out there. One thing I like about that particular model and the uh, the cobalt one that I have, if you pay attention to the guard around the chuck, the front part where it's got the piston that moves in and out, on a lot of reciprocating saws, it's a big, it's basically a box with, with a slot in it. And it keeps you from running the head of that, that blade where the blade mounts directly up into something. You know, On these, it's just a piece of bent wire that accomplishes that same purpose. So all you've got is a piston that moves in and out that holds the blade and a piece of wire. That's a lot easier to spray down and clean out and hit with a brush and get rid of any extra meat that gets stuck up in there because it will, absolutely will. You will have meat and fat stuck up in there and it will be a pain to clean. These are much easier to clean than your regular reciprocating saws. So that is a big, uh, a big check box and box in the pros side of their equation. Um, another thing though, another option when it comes to doing your bone in cuts, and this is especially viable on things like sheep and goats. Now it does take a little bit more skill and you're probably going to mess it up. Uh, this is really good for pork. It's doable on beef. Let me grab this link. It's doable on beef, but I can tell you right now it's, uh, it's a lot more work and that will be the original old school way of making bone in cuts, the cleaver. Now, not just any cleaver, most people have a cleaver that came with your kitchen knife sets, and it's what you would consider a Japanese or Chinese cleaver, which is a broad, long, tall knife that uh, is usually very sharp and very good at chopping. You've got a big surface and allows you to chop a bunch of things, and they're nice. I have a few myself. 
I enjoy them. They don't have the mass it takes to cleave bone. A cleaver, uh, uh, and a European style cleaver, was designed for cutting bone, for breaking bone in clean, you know, uniform sections. Um, it's basically like a, a handheld chopping block. Uh, you will want a thick, heavy-duty cutting board for this. Ideally, wood. Um, I like to look around. A lot of times, you can even go to Walmart and find thick, like, end-grained acacia cutting boards for, like, 20 bucks. Those will suffice. Do take care of them. If they dry out, they can split in half on an impact. Ask me how I know. I've got one I need to glue back together. But an old stump will work. Something, a heavy piece of clean wood that you can use. Something for it to bite into. Because this is not something for the weak of heart. This thing is a three pounds of steel. It's like swinging a hammer with a fairly sharp edge. And it's the same idea, though. You want to go in with your, your knife and actually, with precision, cut. This is going to be my next chop. And you're going to take that cleaver and you're going to pop, 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 knock down those bones. It will take practice to be able to actually control that thing. But that's the off-grid version. So that's two ways that I have accomplished it uh, without, without a bandsaw. You can also use a good high-quality butcher's handsaw to do these cuts. If you do that, we had a discussion a few weeks back about some of these handsaws, and uh, the LEM was one that we recommended because you can get alternate blades that are an inch thick, an inch deep versus the half inch that you can normally buy off the shelf. And that makes a huge difference because especially when you're trying to do fine cuts like that or a lot of cuts, the blade gets gets weak, starts to turn and wobble, and it's a lot less likely to do that with those, those deep blades. So I know some folks who have taken old wood saws, fine-toothed like, you know, regular old board saws and use those too up to you if you want to clean one up and use it for that make sure it's nice and sharp but a saw is a lot more work too probably takes a little bit less skill in you know as far as a handsaw goes uh in actually maintaining that that angle and that edge because it's a slower process but you will be tired by the time you're done with this animal i promise you that uh especially if you ever tried it on me just just know that so You'll probably find yourself after you get through, say, like the loins and stuff, like the, the pretty chops, finding ways to do more boneless cuts or do uh, work around joints because, you know, it's sometimes the uh, the effort isn't really worth the work. So let me go back and catch up on these comments. We have had a ton going on over here. They've been chatty. So let's see here. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. Rachel says, Chainsaws and me only work in horror movie uh, on people. Bacon. Yes, they do work. I'll, I'll tell you that they work, but they will do a terrible job and make a huge mess. Um, let's see here. Yes, you had to be there for the human bacon part. Yes, that was a, that was a thing. That was a thing. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it's tough with the sawzall around the chuck on big beef. It is. It is. It is tough with the sawzall. It's doable, but it helps if you have some experience in it too. Let's see here. Roll on down again. And, oh, she said, Golden Cricket says she's pretty good with the cleaver. Good. You know, I didn't think about the fact that you've got uh, poultry and whatnot, so you may be using it for that. Now, I will say, you want a heavy, thick-spined cleaver, like that one I linked is uh, it's a beast. But if you're good with one, it's worth trying because you're talking about doing, uh, I can't remember if it was sheep or goat, but either one, especially younger, 
the bones are pretty delicate and soft compared to anything larger. You should be, you should have way easier of a time doing bone and cuts on something like that than you would on something larger for sure. Uh, Kyle needs a better cleaver. Well, you can check out my link if you'd like to, Kyle. <laughs> no, that is just the one that I have. Uh, it is good, though. I do like the Dexter brand one um, for a heavy cleaver. Now, if you want just a, a lightweight chopping cleaver or you're using it for just table work, I wouldn't recommend that. But it does make a hell of a chicken beheader. I'll tell you that. Uh, okay, so what is a good cleaver, Rachel's asking? Well, it depends on your purpose. Depends on your purpose. Depends on what you're trying to do with it. Like we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, there's two classes of cleavers. There's like the, the Asian cleavers that are more generally used with like a chef's knife set for chopping. They're usually thin, they're lightweight, they're razor sharp, and uh, they're, they're good for chopping like large bundles of vegetables and, and big things into uniform pieces. So uh, a butcher's cleaver though, or a heavy cleaver, uh, what we're talking about here is going to be really end heavy. It's going to have a good, thick, heavy edge with uh, a fairly wide bevel because it's made more for impacts. It needs to be sharp, but it needs to be able to maintain and hold that edge as it's actually hitting that bone. So it can't be like a 18 degree angle. It's got to be maybe 20, 22. And it's usually thick and heavy. I'm talking like this thing will feel like a hatchet in your hand with a big blade. So... That's, uh, like I said, that thing's almost three pounds, what I've linked. That's what I consider a good bone cleaver. Um, let's see here. I uh, used to cook, cut up pork now with yours. You probably have what you need then. That would be something I would try. Now, I would still try to line up a saw. Uh, I will tell you right now, having especially just a single-hand reciprocating saw for some of the bigger work will make your life a lot easier. But if you, you can get by without it, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh Yep, that second link I posted is a nice, a pretty nice cleaver. And it's not like break the bank nice. You'll see that that's the cheapest one I saw right now on Amazon. That's the same cleaver. And I've seen it go for that. I think it was about 45, 47. Uh, and it's up there through some sellers through like 70, 90. I want to say I paid about $70 for mine. Now, I looked on Amazon and they were about 50 or 60 when I was looking originally. I have a thing when it comes to a knife that's kind of expensive. I don't like to shell out money on it unless I've held it in my hand because. Every knife's a little different. Everybody's different. I want to feel it if I'm going to put some money into it. So I actually drove an hour and a half south to a restaurant supply store that had one in stock just to try it. And I think I spent about the same as I would have on Amazon plus the gas. But to me, it was worth it for the assurance that I knew I was going to, I can use this, you know. And then ironically, when I got it, I had a lamb processing coming up that week and my saw was out. So I was like, screw it. We're getting the cleaver. And it actually did work out good. But yeah, keeping that edge straight, because when you hit that bone, you'll find that you may hit a joint and it's going to want to turn. It's kind of like hitting a knot in wood and it wants to turn on you. So to be mindful, go slow. Don't lose a finger in the process. Um, let's see here. A little glitchy for you. Yeah, guys, sorry if it's a little glitchy. Uh, I'm doing the best I can here with it. Hopefully uh, my internet stays stable. But like I said, it is the busy time. So if I do get slowed down going to be times like that. I also have some downloads going on in the background on another computer. I don't know if that's affecting it, but it's not something I can pause either readily or I would. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Rich said she uses an axe on joints. A, a small axe or a good hatchet will work too. Uh, it's just going to be a lot more unwieldy on like finer cuts, like small bones, especially along the ridge of the backbone. That can get a little bit hinky there too. Let's see here. Uh, Kyle uses his for splitting pig heads. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely one thing you could use it for. 
Um, let's see. Oh, you have a number seven antique Nicholas Brothers. Oh, I'm not super familiar exactly with Nicholas Brothers. I have heard they're a decent uh, collector's item, though. I'm sure most of those older antique cleavers, they were made to use. Probably last longer than any of us. Oh, yeah, spine on us more than a quarter inch thick. Yeah, that's that's the stuff. That's the stuff. That'll do the job right there. And, yes, Kyle, that's, that's a very good point. Using a rubber mallet is helpful, uh, especially if it's a new one. Uh, mine's so old, it's starting to dry rot and fall apart, so I'm tired of picking out rubber pieces when I'm cutting. I need to pick up another $5 Harbor Freight rubber mallet. But what if you actually, like I said, go in and pre-cut all that meat, open up that channel, and you lay that cleaver down there, you can just tap, 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 tap with a rubber mallet on the back and basically work your way through. And that is a great way to, uh, especially on fine spots where you're worried about accuracy. I've uh, I've cut full bone-in uh, pork loins that way with with the rubber mallet method. So, very good tip. Uh, oh, Robin says hers was a nightmare this morning. As far as the the glitchiness, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it it can happen. It's like I said, it's coming up on a busy week too. There's a lot of folks who took the week off uh, before the holiday weekend. So, I imagine there's probably a lot of people on the internet. School and work just got out. People are probably firing up Netflix and shit. So, you know. It is what it is. I'm just glad to not have to be sitting in the park to do this. So there will probably still be times I do just because it'll work out time wise. But it's nice to have the options. It really, really is. Let's see here. Well, hey, we're up to about 30 minutes here. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Rachel says Golden Crickets is being fancy with their antique one. And she's jealous. Well, you know, that's there's nothing nothing wrong with having the old antiques. But I, I kind of envy that, too. So. Anyways, uh, does anybody else have any other questions for me to cover? Otherwise, I've got the Nosternest running live over there, too. I was thinking about doing like I did last week as well and open it up for live Q&A. I don't see anybody hanging out over there yet, but I probably hasn't announced it. So I should join that on my phone and let it put out a quick announcement. But anyways, if anybody has a question or a thought or an idea, something they want covered, be sure to toss it out there in the comments. Let's see here. Let me fire that up over here without it making a bunch of noise on stream. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Should work. I should put out an announcement now. And good, I don't have any feedback. That was what I was worried about. Cool. Oh, Kyle says he's going to jump over there. Cool. I should add that to the stream here. Let's see. Share. Hi, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Super high complicated tech stuff. There we go. Perfect. 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 All right. And I see Libertree is already joined in. Let me bring you up on stage, bud. I am. Oh, I'm going to bring you up on stage. I'm just opening the show up to uh, Q&A right now as we speak. Let me... Mute my one tab so I know that I don't have any feedback issues. And there we go. So, yeah, we are live on the Q&A section with the Nosternest. How are you doing there, Libertree? Did you have any uh, questions or anything? 
No, I was trying to alert you that you weren't streaming to the nest, and then I realized that you weren't streaming to the nest till after the main part of the show. So, ah, uh, well, I was, I was, but unfortunately, nests doesn't uh, alert everybody that the nest is open, at least not with a Noster note until at least there's at least two people in there. So when I realized that there was nobody else in there, I went ahead just towards the tail end here and joined it on my phone. So it would put out an alert, but the nest itself is always open with the link. I, I have it uh, hot linked to my domain on a subdomain. So that way I can always find it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I can hear you now. So I appreciate cool. it, man. Awesome. And, uh, well, I appreciate you looking out. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start tuning into your, your butcher podcast because, uh, I would like to start doing that myself in the near awesome. future. So definitely. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, there's uh, there's plenty to listen to. Everything that I've uh, every one of these Q and A episodes and stuff like that that I've done, I usually record them and then I'll put them out on the audio side of the podcast too. And I've been like right now, we're still streaming over on YouTube. I'm just copying the nest over and letting that stream in the background as as we go. Cool, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Loving it. Yep. Oh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Let's see. We've got a couple of questions over here. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. So. Golden Crickets was saying that she's looking for what mallet do, would you use while doing uh, chopping and whatnot as far as with a cleaver, like a rubber mallet, like a heavy rubber mallet that you use. Um, you can buy them at like a Harbor Freight or wherever, any hardware store. Uh, and the nice thing about that is it's not going to, you don't want a metal mallet um, because it's going to, you know, bang up the back of your cleaver. Uh, a rubber mallet or a wooden mallet would actually work out just fine as well, but something that's going to have a little bit of give to it. You should be able to find a rubber mallet anywhere. Let's see here. Lisa says she wanted to watch the latest critter video and had gotten around to it. Yeah, Lisa, he he skipped the sheep this week because he was just kind of burnt out. So I gave him these easy button, and uh, we we actually covered white-tailed deer. That was an interesting discussion, though. Um, let's see here. Oh, the girls are arguing over who's the coolest with their coolest cleavers. All right, let's see. Who else do we got over here? Hey, Backwoods is bye, here. All right. Hi, hi. Hey, hey, man. What's up? You, you sound excited. What's going on? Oh, just, you know, you just that's, saw me for the last half an hour. You know what's going on? Running a podcast. That's what's I know. going on. I'm over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. For some reason, this angle is creepier. Because you have to like lean in to see your computer. Yeah. So all of a yeah. sudden you're just like. That is the hardest the part. That's the hardest part. Like I'm so used to it sitting right like a foot from my chest on this like mount on the steering wheel. And so everything is like so far away now. I'm like, do I need glasses so I can see my fucking computer? You know, <laughs> I wanted to hook it up to my, I have an, uh, a big like 22 inch monitor over here that I've had for years. But it uses the old school like VGA cables and shit. Now everything's HDMI on these new fucking laptops. I'm like, I can't even hook it up. Shit. I'm sure you can get an adapter or something. <laughs> I probably can. I, I'm using it right now on an old, old laptop to install some server shit on the side just because I've got the yeah. stuff sitting around rotting. So I'm like, hey, I have internet now. Let me play with it. There you go. Oh, uh, so you were, what were you doing today? Cutting some beef? Doing some packaging? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I cut up that, uh, whole what was it it was herford charlet i think mm -hmm. cross it was a big beef but i got it done today so <laughs> i got them nice. picking up on thursday because the the farmer is going to help me medicate my cows and castrate one of the uh small bulls i've got so 
Thursday will be fun. <laughs> Should be fun. Yeah. Ooh, so you've got to get in there and do a little clip clip. Yeah, I banned. Nah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's just easier. Yeah. Well, how old is he? He is six months, maybe seven. Okay. Yeah. He's not yeah. huge. No, and he's but... He's, he's still, super uh, friendly, so we'll be able to corner him fast enough. Right, but it's the still other one, fight. The other one I'm not looking forward to. More than likely, I'm going to have to rope it in multiple spots. No, oh, Like boy. get it around the horns and get it around the back legs. Sounds like a party. Right. Yeah, because he's, he's over a year now. And he's yeah. um, Herford Holstein, and he's got that Holstein height. Yep. So all of a sudden, he had a growth spurt. When I just looked at him the other day, I was like, I have to give you injections. Shit. Yeah. Well, I'll tell but, you what. You have to get multiple ropes on me to either get a get a needle in my arm or cut my balls off. So I, I Right. No, I get it. I completely understand. <laughs> but, like, originally I was like, oh, he's still small enough. I can probably just, like, get my arms around his horns and, like, either put him to the ground or just hold him. And then all of a sudden he walked next to me the other day and I was like, no way in hell yeah. I'm grabbing on you. Again. Hey, well, Lisa's over here. Lisa's asking over here, what's the critter this week, Kyle? Um, I actually think Aaron from Two Chicks Homestead is going to be coming on. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to finalize that later this week. But we're so going to be you talking about rabbits? rabbits. Nice. Yeah. Lisa, I will do sheep. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did uh, no prep and I just texted Josh and I'm like, so what animal do you want to talk about tonight? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can you come on my show? And I'm like, I probably can. Do you, uh, do you need me on your show? And he's like, yeah, I, I kind of do. I, I have no prep and I'm just, I, my brain hurts. And I'm like, okay, let me try to give you a hard one. <laughs> right. No, I think when I texted you, I had just finished a conversation with my four-year-old trying to explain why water was wet. That sounds about right. Sounds oh, lovely. yeah. Lovely. <laughs> so mentally, I was just like, I can't, I can't do research on something tonight. Uh huh. Well, hey, uh, Bella, welcome to the stage. And uh, if you got any questions, uh, feel free to unmute and just uh, fire them off. We're in like the Q and A section of the podcast here, so uh, we're we're just kind of chatting. Well, yeah, no, if anybody's got any questions, fire them off, fire them off. That's what I kind of like about these nostrums. It's uh, a little more more relaxed format. So uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to cover before I do wrap it up, though. Let's see. Talked about the big episode coming up next Tuesday and the giveaway there. Um, talked about me setting up shit at the house. Uh, let's see here. Still got seasoning stuff going on, guys. Be sure to check that out. That's all live and ready to go. Um, just added a button over there on renegadebutcher.com that you can actually zap me on Noster from my website now. That's cool. That was a little before the show. I figured out how to do that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody else doing it. And I was like, <laughs> now I have to know how. <laughs> right. Yeah, I still I still get on here and I'm like, 
I think I know what I'm doing. And then I'm like, and then I hear you guys talk. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, just wait. We still got to get you set up with a web page. You already got a oh. podcast and all this stuff going on. You need like a place to point people. I know. <laughs> I know. One more thing. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> At least it's not like me. And I'm like, oh, web stuff. That means 16 more things because I can never pick one project at a time. Oh, yeah. I end up down like six rabbit holes at one time and then two or three of them I actually maybe will finish or get somewhere presentable. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, every time I think about doing something like that, I then just look at something like around. Like I walked out today and one of my tractor tires is starting to go flat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I can't mentally think about also doing a web page when I have to deal with this now. <laughs> Uh, hey, Lisa's asking Kylo, what was that big beef that you were showing off? Was that a steer or a big heifer? Oh, uh, that was a big heifer. Okay. Yeah. I thought it, I, the farmer thought it was a steer. She bought, she buys um, beef sometimes off another local farm. Yep. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden she's like, oh, that's a heifer. Jesus. Huh? She was just big boned. She was big boned. No, it was a gorgeous beef. Absolutely gorgeous. Great marbling. Yeah. Um, looked good. Yeah, it was really nice. Those chuck roasts were awesome. Yeah, I think you but, posted a picture of those. I yeah. I saw. yeah. Yeah, those were in the Telegram chat. Oh. But it man. just had good fat cover. <laughs> oh, I, I, I gotta bust your balls a little bit, Kyle. And Uh-oh. you don't have to go into into full details if you want to, but uh I think uh you learned a hard lesson today. I don't know if you I sure did. Or not today, sure but this did. week. Oh, you had a rough one. Yeah, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? It was yesterday. Oh man, uh, I don't want to trigger your PTSD about this or anything. No, no, it is what it is. I have to accept. <laughs> I have to accept my fuck ups. Um, I lost an entire batch of bellies um, that were going to be smoked for bacon. <sighs> because my entire batch, he means like a lot. Eight, eight to, I think it was eight bellies. Eight bellies total. Yeah, and I forgot to weigh them down. I even said it in the video I did on Brian. Like I went back and listened, and at the end of that, I go, "I'm going to swing back around and put a plate on these to weigh them down, so they're all in the brine." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "You stupid son of a bitch!" Didn't do it. Um, Yeah, yeah, Um, but it's one of those live and learn situations. I was pretty bummed about it yesterday, and. Yep. Ended up talking to all um, the people it was going to, and they all kind of understood that I had no idea. What, like, I had never smoked bacon before, so I was like, I'll do right. it for free. But stuff's like, happened. Stuff happens. Stuff you know, happens. That's how you they learn. were great. One of them's already planning on getting another pick from us this year. Right, so, right. Yeah. It is what it is. It's unfortunate. But yeah, that's, that's an important thing to remember. If you're doing a wet brine, especially if you're going over a length of time, because pork can spoil pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You want to make sure it's all in the brine. So, and because it's fatty, it will float. Yep. So, if you don't put something on it to weigh it down and some of that stays out and not in contact with air, that part's going to turn and that very well could turn the whole bucket. Yep. So, sadly. Yeah. Because in, in some of them, whatever, whatever was under the brine looked perfectly fine. And it was right. just whatever was out it's of the brine. Just what was out of the brine. Yeah. 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 And then there were others that it turned the whole bucket. And you know that, um, like, pork jello? Mm, that, like, yeah. Pork does something if it turns 
that turns water into like it looks like slime it's like yeah yeah it does it, it it's it's like a snot it's like it releases proteins from the meat in some weird way that starts to yeah, gelatinize it yeah odd <laughs> it is it's weird it's snasty so yeah we had, some, and, we had a bunch of that it was yeah, a good time it's it's like uh it's like brian yeah. brian's saint bernard slobber but like a bucket of it exactly yeah yeah yeah. But what I will say, I was so angry that I got that beef that they dropped off that uh, I slaughtered yesterday done in like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Like, I just right. breezed right through it. Oh, and Lisa says that uh, in regards to that cow, she seemed like she had the extra fat that the girls get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Robin Holstein says she wishes she could lose her belly. Uh, oh, Golden Crickets asks, "What is the gr what are the grossest critters that we have butchered?" Oh man, you take that one, man. Go. What's the grossest one you've ever had to do? Uh, I don't even know. I've blocked so many out. Well, it depends on how what you mean by gross, too. Like gross, yeah. like it was physically a nasty animal, or gross as in like it was sick, or gross as in like I just don't like th this job. <laughs> See what I. What I, what I immediately go to is when I worked at the USDA plant, we had this farm that as like a side hustle, they would, because they already, they had a, another successful like agricultural business. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, more equestrian. But on the side, they would buy old milkers mm -hmm. at auction. They were flipping just them. put them out on pasture for a season. Yep. So you take an animal that's just been had food shoved in its face and its entire life and just put it out on a field. Mm -hmm. And these things were so nasty, not an ounce of fat on them. Yep. And so that like sinew just like shrink wraps the meat and it is the nastiest thing to cut. It's like cutting and tough old deer if it was 10 times yes size. yeah yes it's awful and we did a bunch of them oh yeah like but also they're really the almost good for ground honestly that's all that's it and yeah. they these were being sold as grass-fed mm -hmm. or grass finished grass finished beef. but even if even if you grind them you still got to debone them you still got to go through and trim them up oh, you yeah. still got to do the work so this was they this was the only farm that I ever saw that we literally like threw whole carcasses like from the slaughter floor into the rendering. Jeez. And the USDA was like, yep, no, it can go in the cooler. My boss was like, there's no fucking way in hell this is going to my cooler. Nice. Like, at least there's he was, no way. At least he had standards. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, grossest like, one. Ugh. They're almost slimy. Yeah. Like, it's, Yeah. I've had a few that were just too far gone or whatnot. I, I mean, I, I expect it, there to be something going on when somebody calls me because they want help and they've got a downed animal and they're just trying to see if they can salvage it. And I'll talk to them and I'll pretty much know it's it's a lost cause before I even get there. Yeah. But usually at least, it, the, a lot of times they'll even want me to just come out and put it down just because they want somebody experienced. So I think doesn't suffer. So anyway, right. you know, and I was like, well, if, I, if I've, I've got to come do it, if I've got to come pull the trigger, you're, you're going to pay for my travel and from a kill fee, you know, but if you're okay with right. that, I'll come do it, you know? And I mean, I can look, I, I, but I'm like, if I get in and I start skinning the thing, you're paying for my time. 
you know, if, if, oh, if we get halfway through this thing and you decide, no, 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 or if I'm telling you, you don't want to eat this and you decide not to, i still did the work. So I have to be clear on that. But probably the worst, which says something, um, was the place that I quit before I started up my own business and started doing what I'm doing now. Uh, it was that last carcass, that last beef. Um, yeah, it was bad. There was yeah. a guy that they were was bringing him some stuff. I've told the story a little bit before, but he was basically just buying everything from the sale barn that he could get cheap. And a lot of them, of course, had problems. And he was he was flipping cows. Basically, he was doing this as a business. He had a bunch of different processors he took stuff to all over this side of Texas. And somehow he had it worked out with my boss. I think they just had a thing going that they he knew he could bring shit to us that other places wouldn't take because they were worried about getting shut down. But my boss was too retarded to realize that that you're you're playing a really crappy game there. And so we'd have. It, on this particular day, we had so many cows show up that I actually kept them apart because they're all the, the same guy's name on the ticket. Uh, and I knew he was selling this beef. Like he had people that they were sold to, but I only knew that it was his cow. So when I'm sitting there putting this stuff on the cut sheet, I had to tell them apart by what was wrong with them. There was like the one with the bad eye and the one with the limp and the one with an abscess, and the one that couldn't breathe right. And this particular one was the bloated one. And I knew it was going to be a good day when my boss met me at the door and he's like, you better kill these cows before they die. And I was like, you have to be fucking with me. No, they were all that close. Now, I was already pissed. I'm like, I'm about to walk out at this point. But I get to this one and this thing was so bloated. I mean, I'm talking, you remember, you remember uh, the old um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, the, yeah, Willy Wonka, the girl that ate the blueberry and blew up like, like a freaking ball. Yeah, it was like that as a cow. It was sad. It's like, what the hell is going on with this thing? So I got her killed. And you could tell, you could smell when I bled her, but she was septic. Her breath was septic. Um, put her down, got her up on the hoist, got in, got her skinned as carefully as I could because I felt like I was going to pop a balloon. And then I started gutting. And for the first time, in my entire career slaughtering animals, I went outside and threw up from the smell. Uh, this animal was so septic that it had pus running through the meat, like all not through the belly, but up between like the ribs and the meat. It was just, it was just all bad. And I was basically told to trim it up and cool it down, see how it looks in the morning. And I trimmed everything I could find visibly, but I was, I was hot and i sat up all night thinking about it i finally made up my mind i'm not doing the shit anymore so i pretty much knew i was quitting when i walked in that day and i went up and told him basically i'm like you know it's it's either me or that carcass one of us goes because you're not feeding you shouldn't feed that to a damn dog but you're not feeding it to somebody's kids and nobody who's getting that i promise you is going to know that that's what the state that meat was in they're not making an educated choice and you damn well know it's not right so i don't care who loses money in this we should have never taken that animal and it it doesn't leave here or I do. And they they farted around with me. They just said, uh, no, we'll have the, the inspector look at it. We'll have her talk to you. You can go in there and show her everything that you did. We'll let the expert decide. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. Cool. The inspector that comes in and learn things from me. But that's great. I'd love to talk to the inspector about this situation. And she came and went. And they talked to her privately. I asked about it multiple times. 
and they lied to my face. So I walked out or clocked out, walked out, and never came back. Uh, but it was it was a sticking point, and I'm very glad that I found out later on, uh, about a week later, from a coworker that uh, had stuck around that that whole animal did end up in the rendering eventually, uh, because everybody else who was cutting it pretty much said no. We're putting our foot down. We're not doing this. Yeah, that sucks. And it's yeah, it's crazy that people bring those animals in, and it's like to a person. It's like yeah. no, like what are you doing? Right, right, right. Well, it's it's that's the problem. Like, there are people out there who don't give a fuck about anything but money. You know, which no, burns don't. me. And it's don't awful. get me wrong. I don't hate fucking money. I don't hate making money. I think we're all here to, that, that we have to. But when it starts getting in the way of like moral decisions, I mean, you, I always tell people when they're getting into this, if they're new to this, and I was like, never, ever forget that you are handling people's food. And the day that you stop taking that seriously is the day you should put away your knives. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You are responsible for the stuff that people eat, which is why I will reject animals that people will bring me during deer season too. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to have any part of being responsible for anybody putting that in their mouth. I, I can't undo what you fucked up already. I don't care how mad you'll be at me. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Deer season. I'm pretty, I'm pretty strict about that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be, cause so many people don't know. But the sad part was this guy knew, and my bosses knew. But, you know, it's one of them. Right. Uh, profit got in the way of, of uh, principal. So, and they, they didn't, the sad part is they didn't start out that way. Or at least that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the story originally. But things changed. They got busy. It started to become profitable. And, you know, there we go. Hey, Liver Tree's got his hands up. Yeah, I saw that. Hey, Ben. Um, kind of on the subject of not good meat or not good carcasses and deer, uh, I live in Florida, come across, you know, dead deer on the side of the road. I know some people pick them up and take them home and eat them. What is the rule on that? And what is the time frame on that as far as the more, the meat being spoiled or not safe anymore? It depends. Do you want to take it or do you want me to? <laughs> I'll touch on it a bit, but I'll touch on it a bit and then you follow, <laughs> you follow up. Uh, but no, it's uh, it does depend. It really does. Uh, a lot. First thing you want to know. And I am not one to sit around and, and ask permission, but do understand what's legal in your state and what they expect, because you can get some pretty heavy fines getting caught picking up roadkill if it's not allowed. In Texas, it's strictly not allowed to pick up deer, even if you hit it. Um, you have to basically have permission from the game board. Now, if he's cool, he may just say, shit, you got an extra deer ticket, go ahead and use it. Or he may just let you have it. Or he may take it and put it in his vehicle and give it to his buddy just to piss you off. You never know. But... I've seen it happen, but don't get yourself in trouble because they can hit you with somebody. They can pretty much hit you with a poaching ticket, which is ridiculous, but it is what it is. Um, climate wise, though, you're in a hot climate, so you the clock is ticking. You don't have long. The other thing is what happened to that meat right before you got it? Uh, it's hit by the car. Was it just hit in the head and knocked down? Was it hit in the gut? And is there a chance that you've got stomach or intestines that are broken and you've got septic meat on the inside? If that's the case... You already got a lot spoiled. That's pretty much going to be a loss. You're probably only going to be able to get like front shoulders, maybe get the back straps partially, and uh, perhaps you'll be lucky enough to get some hindquarters off of it. But sitting in the sun, sitting in that hot, humid weather in Florida, man, I wouldn't, unless something is 
still warm to the touch, not like because it's been sitting in the sun on the side of the road, but like still you can tell this thing was hit very recently. Like ideally you saw it. I probably wouldn't mess with it because by the time you get it loaded and you get it home and you get it processed, you're already probably looking at three, four hours that that meat's been sitting in a warm environment, probably stressed already. So be careful with that. If you were in a cold area, if you were somewhere where there's actually snow and ice and shit on the ground, um, which is typically when you're going to see deer moving and you're going to hit them, you have a lot more leniency, a lot more window there. But I'm in Texas, so kind of the same thing. I have a feeling that's part of why they're so hardline on it is that, uh, you know, there's a big risk of getting sick from roadkill in, in a hot climate. So, Kyle, you got anything on that? I agree with everything you said for sure. As someone who picks up a decent, I'd probably say at this point, a decent amount of roadkill I've picked up. Um, my fam, my my children have eaten roadkill quite a bit. But um, no, I agree with you. Like I'm at the point now where I don't pick up deer unless I saw them get hit, I hit them, or it's one of those situations where it's like I ran to the store, there wasn't a dead deer there. And on my way back a half hour later, there is a dead deer. You have a like, definitive timeline. Like you exactly. pretty well know that it happened within a certain window of time. Yeah. But I was I was doing it so much at one point that I just I called it the gamble. Like that's just mm -hmm. what I called it. Because it's <laughs> like you can get some and they're fine. Right. But then you can get others and it's There's like just a hot no. mess that you gotta drag out in the woods. Right, right. Like, and then you're just pissed because you wasted all your time on it. But see, right. the other important thing is like we can give you rules of thumb and ideas and stuff when it comes to this. But I can't I can't tell you any anything definitively. What you do have to do is be able to trust your own senses. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. But every yeah, single if you're human, not used to it. Well, right. But every single human, I trust. Trust me. You know when you smell or feel bad meat. Just like people worry about what if this egg's bad. You'll know when you crack it. Like you'll know if you if you're if, if you, you walk up to a bad. carcass, <laughs> if you walk up to a carcass and put your hand on the stomach and like give it, it a like gentle push yeah. and it bounces right back, just walk away. Yep, it's starting it's to bloat. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's not um, worth it. I would also like grab a leg and start to move it. If it's already stiffened up, it's gone into rigor mortis. You know that thing's been it. down for at least yeah. a half an hour, probably closer to an hour, and it, eh, you're kind of in danger zone. It happens pretty quick for them to start stiffening up, but it's usually, in my experience, unless they're frozen solid by that point already, it's usually within about an hour mark that they start to go stiff. I will say, though, for me, it's different because mm -hmm. we're frozen half the year. Right. So it's, I've definitely picked up some that were older, but it was also 10 degrees out that night. Well, yeah, like, if it was 10 degrees overnight. Somebody hit it in the middle of the night and you go out and it's still 35 degrees you know, in the sun, that thing was frozen, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And no. the, So the majority of the time up here, you have the right to, if you hit a deer, you, you can take it home. Like 99.9% right. .9 of the time. Like the cop will just give you a nuisance tag. Right. Like, yeah, here you go. Roadkill tag. Now, I, I probably have three of them sitting in my truck. In like, Iowa, they wouldn't let you just, but you could get but, more uh, information. There was also, there were, you could sign up with the local uh, DNR to be on a call list to go pick up roadkill deer if somebody did, did I'm on, one. 
I'm on three currently. Yeah. <laughs> they are just really hard line on outlawing any kind of uh, deer roadkill type, whatever <laughs> consumption at all in Texas. And I think, I think a lot of it is the culture because we have yeah. a ton of rednecks that not only will take their big jacked up trucks with huge cattle guards on them, and go out and hit deer in pastures just to hit them so they can eat them. They already do. So they don't even want to make a legal way for that to happen. Uh, It's one of them. You're out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. You haven't seen another car for three miles, which is a lot of times driving around in Texas, and you happen to hit a deer. Nobody's around to see it. So I think they want to make their job easier for themselves and just say it's always illegal. So if they see you with a deer in the back of your, your truck in the middle of June, you're getting a ticket no matter what. Yeah. There was, this is a pretty good story, actually. There was, I was on my way into work. I, so at the USDA facility I worked at, I was an hour away, mm-hmm. like, from the house to get there. And it was, like, January, and it was one of those week, like, two weeks where it was, like, oh yeah, 10, like, 10 degrees out. And it's 6 a.m., and I'm driving into work, and there's just this, it was probably a yearling. Like it was yep. small, but it was just dead in the middle of this house. I drive past every day's driveway. And I'm uh, like, I know for a fact they have not seen this deer and they are not going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. So I fucking pulled over, ran in the driver real quick and just dragged the deer out. And as I'm doing it, one of my coworkers drives by and just goes, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is red, Nick. I threw it in the bed of my truck, covered it in snow, and went to work. Went to work, and it was again. It was frozen. The high was like twenty that day, so I wasn't too worried about it. It's going to be a block the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that uh, was a fun one to skin. I bet it was. Yeah, I hate frozen deer as far as skinning. Let's see. Oh, a uh, Lisa asked over here: Is there any difference in the grass-fed carcass versus the grain-fed carcass? Yes, Kyle. I want you to hit that one. yes okay so it is different where you live for sure in my opinion um i don't know this is such a hard one to get into yeah you're gonna have more fat on a grain-fed carcass that's just what it is like it's added calories that the cow doesn't really need that's just gonna go straight into fat Mm -hmm. which i don't hate like I grain my cows, but it's I'm not free choice like fifty pounds a day. It's I think I put three scoops, three or four scoops for three cows, like a day. Just right. to give them that a little extra boost, a little extra calories. Like I like marble and I like fat. So mm-hmm. and this is the first time I've ever been at a point where I'm like, okay, I have a baseline now. Now I can start experimenting with how I want the meat to look finished. Right, kind of right. There um, is a difference in the fat itself too, whether they've been primarily grain or primarily. Right. I'm going for more intermuscular. Like mm-hmm. I don't want them to just have like a three inch fat cap. I want yeah. it to be like, they've been getting consistent extra calories for a long period of time mm-hmm. and put weight on, but put weight on in a healthy way. Right. Um, down your way, you can probably get away with some really decent looking grass fed beef. We I've can. seen some good stuff up here, but it's still doing it in a hard mode. 
Um, as far as if, you, yeah, if your goal, hard, if your goal is to go for heavy marbling, like we're used to seeing with like a prime steak in the store, it's it's harder. It's a lot harder on on pasture raised. Uh, the main reason for that is because, like you said, it's an excess of calories. They can get that from just pasture, but they've got to work for it. And you've got to, that pasture has got to keep up with the cows grazing and the cows growth. So they have to be lightly stocked and with excess lush green sugary grass like that, that very good, thick, yeah. thick, thick coastal style grass that we get down here. This area is perfect for it for guys who actually want to do it down here in southeast Texas. But a lot of Texas, especially the drier areas, aren't your pasture for the last couple of years with droughts. It's hard on it. We had a lot of bare pastures because just we didn't have enough rain. So you've got yeah. to have all the climactic stuff that comes into a lot of guys who are dedicated pasture only uh, were graining their cows because it was that or kill them this, this last couple right. of years. You know, they didn't have a choice. And their feed bill was ridiculously high. I mean, it cost were three times more than usual. They're buying hay, too. And, right. you know, I mean, it, but they were doing what they could to try to keep floating. So it gets rough. But uh, I like a combination of both um, overall myself. Like, I love a good grain finished steak. But I can appreciate some of the the other health benefits that come from the the different omega balance and the more grass fed. So I I oh, like seeing a, a cow that spends the majority of its time on pasture, lives, and gets the like the vast majority of its calories and nutrients from that pasture. But extra grain isn't going to hurt it. Um, that said, well, that's, say I'm the same way with pigs. You know, like I'm yeah. not afraid to give corn to my pigs. No. But I don't want that. I don't want something that's lived on a, a sack of freaking deer corn its whole life. It's not going to be anything but just hard white fat. You know, I want right. a, a good balance there. So uh, let me I'll, I'll add soy meal. I'll, I'll add some soy meal every now and then. I don't yeah. do it all the time, but right. especially if I'm finishing pigs, I'll I'm toss in like a ratio of soy meal. meal just because. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm not super paranoid about it. I know I don't want a lot of the stuff that's in soy to make it into the meat, but I do know. When I switched off of a, a speed that was, I used to raise quail and they have ridiculously wow. high uh, protein requirements, it's like game bird feed. It's like turkeys, uh, but like they're like baby turkeys their whole life. Um, right. So I was the game bird feed, of course, who tends to rely on soy protein because it's easier to get, you know, high protein in it. When I switched them off of that to something that was primarily peanut meal, um, their whole attitude changed. They stopped being moody little bitches and stopped attacking me when I fed them. And their their food seemed to go further. They seemed more satisfied. They just seemed happier and more chill. They started laying better. Their colors like popped. And I'm like, huh. So I'm like, yeah, maybe there's something to it. I'm not going to say it's like all the soy is evil, but I, I try to avoid it when it's a main. Yeah. No, and I get it. And I, I don't know. I do agree, but again, it's an awesome You do what way you to can, too. You also do what you can and what you can afford to do. You know, right. that's the thing. There's the there's the perfect world solution, and then there's the whole letting the good be the enemy of the perfect, or the perfect enemy of the good. The other way around, yeah. Uh, anyway, Liberty, right. you got your hand up, man. What you what you got? Yeah, change the subject if you don't mind. Yeah, you're um, good. Uh, how long could a family of four live off of an entire cow? Ooh. Depends that's on how much they like to eat beef. Uh, how yeah. big of a cow? Well, but the reason, uh, the, reason I, the reason I ask is because I'm on the carnivore diet and I right. know it would be cheaper if I process my own meat in some form or fashion. <clears throat> I've got some land 
out in the country, my parents own, I could, you know, raise my own. And I'm just trying to get an idea of whether it's right. worth it. You know? So, and, and I don't mean eating steak every day. I just mean, you know, three or four. Right. Just in general, overall, yeah. uh, I would say a good rule of thumb. And this, this is a very wide topic, but I think a good rule of thumb is probably the average family of four cons- would consume about one beef per year. Yeah, if, if they all are meat eaters. Now, if one or two of those people are heavy meat eaters, as in carnivore, and that's the majority of what you're eating, you may go a little heavier than that. And it, like I said, it depends. If you're raising them at home and you've got something that finishes out at, you've got 300-pound carcass weight versus, you know, we're comparing it to somebody with like an 800-pound hanging weight, you know, big, heavy beef. You know, there's there's a lot. It's a, it's a very broad scale. But I think... Rule of thumb would be about one a year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it would also depend on your cuts as well. Because true, it's, true. everyone gets so scared of the cut sheets mm-hmm. that they just end up picking stuff that they're not going to eat because they don't know. There is that too. So then you there's want to make sure like, you actually are going to eat all the cuts like, you get. Right. There's always like tip steaks left and stuff like that. But it's like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I always get the folks that complain because they eat through all the uh, they eat through all the steaks first. And then they're like, yeah, well, we're eating roast and we like roast, but we usually just like them for Sunday dinner. But, man, we've been eating hamburger forever. We want, we want to do another cow so we can get more steaks. And I'm like, why did you eat all of the good stuff first? And then you leave yourself with all the stuff that 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 you don't want at the end. Right. Because, you know, hamburger's great. You can do it for Listen, anything. I'm already, it I'm, already almost, I'm already almost all the way through the half a cow I put in. Uh-huh. Uh, shit, when did I do that? This winter. like, <laughs> But I was like, I'm like, I should have just did the whole thing. I ended up selling the other half. But, um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just have, I've got a ton of burger left. <laughs> yeah, that's how it that's how it goes. So well like I always try to tell people, I'm like, dude, you know, you've got seven days a week. Try to make burger like at least four of those. Like if you can. Because it's flexible. You can do tacos one night and spaghetti another night right. and a meatloaf and things like that. You know, cook some hamburgers, you know, make it make it interesting. But then you know, oh, listen, do a roast once my... a week, do some yeah. stew, do some chili, but then do steak like one or two nights a week. And then it'll right. last throughout your experience of eating a cow. But if you eat all the, the the prime pricey cuts, you're left with all the bottom end. So you're you you went and you ate at the steakhouse until you ran out of steak, and then you're shopping at Aldi's for the rest of your time on this cow, and it's your own exactly. fault. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's my fault. I mean, like I said, right, I've right. probably got but everybody does I do it too. like species in my freezer, and I'm right. having frozen pizza tonight. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm guilty of that too. Be like, hey, look, I've got venison, I've got pork, I've got all this stuff in here that I could cook and use, and it's amazing. What's for dinner tonight? Uh, ramen noodles with leftover ham and some uh, cheddar cheese I found in the bottom of the fridge. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's easy, and I'm tired, and I don't want to Like, there's it. no way I'm coming in after cutting a beef for the last eight hours. And you're like, like sounds going. like time to cook picanha. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, No. <laughs> No, DiGiorno, you know, take me home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why I love having that little, uh, the between the air fryer and the smoker. When, when I'm working at the shop, I've always got meat around. I try to make sure I eat a heavy lunch that I cook yeah. while I work, because it's a lot easier to like figure out how to cook some shit while you're already working with food. 
you know, and, right. and kind of work that into routine. And then the cleanup's all the same at the end. Because by the time I'm done yeah. at the end of the day, I'm out. I'm done. If I'm not full when I go home, I'm, I'm just either not going to eat or I'm going to eat junk. Right. <laughs> I know that about myself. Yeah. Mm. I actually made a super good, like, garbage meal the other night out of oh, just, no. like, whatever was in the fridge. I was Sometimes like, I'm that's the best. And I had, like, this pretty well-marbled strip steak, like, more towards the sirloin end. Like, it, I had pulled it out of the freezer, and it was like, I needed to cook it then, or right. it was, like, going to go. And I cut up half an onion and two bell peppers, sautéed everything, like, seasoned it all up, sautéed it in lard, and then cooked two packets of ramen noodles. <laughs> strained them put them in with all the steak and veggies and just put in like butter the two seasoning packets and like soy sauce and dijon mustard and i mixed it up and like sauteed it all and i put it in a bowl and i was like sorry honey this is what we got and i'm sitting <laughs> in the back room here and i just get a text and she goes what did you make this might be the most amazing thing you've ever made and i'm like are you serious like i consider myself a pretty good cook Right. And I made you ramen noodles with old steak. And you and said it's the best thing I've ever made. Well, you know, it's either low standards or you did a good job. <laughs> exactly. But then I ate it and I was like, oh, this is really good. Yep. Sometimes you just hit on some shit like that. And it's never when you actually like thought to like pay attention to like the amounts you used or like even have it in the back of your mind of like, I might want to do this again. You're just throwing shit together. Then you sit back yeah. and question. Can I make that again if I tried? Not sure. So I actually thought about doing that. I'm like, I need to make that again. But yep. she looks at me and she goes, why was that so good? And I'm like, because it was just full of butter, fat, and salt. Yeah. Like, the of best course it ever. was delicious. It's like everything I cook is so ridiculously high fat. Of course it tastes good. Right. Hell, I had, uh, what did I have earlier? That It was just, it was rice. It was like fried rice. But I mean, it had like... All of the leftover like drippings from like a pound of bacon that was cooked and added to it, plus like a stick of butter and some eggs. And I'm like, you know, right. I mean, it's like, the, the, there's grease falling off the fork while you're eating this. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to be freaking hungry later today. <laughs> no, uh, I make so. green beans at Christmas. Oh, yeah. That it's literally a pound and a half of bacon and then some green beans. Like they, yeah. like they're glistening in the yeah. pan yeah they're well, so, so greasy and, and, but they're so good because you actually cook like a southerner that's <laughs> yeah it's weird i do i cook very southern mm -hmm. oh i've always kind of cooked that way country. i've always kind of huh? cooked that way and then when i when i moved down here especially when i started helping out on like the barbecue side of multiple places i worked at because it'd always be like they've got the little service case and they've got the the little grocery store and they've got the little deli that that does barbecue. So I, I always end up doing all of them, of course. And right. uh, yeah, so I, I started diving really hard into the Southern cooking. And I'm like, wow, this is just like a, a slightly more refined version of the way I cook normally. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely take 98% of my like, what am I going to cook from like Southern dishes and stuff? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. It's hard to beat when it comes to just meat. It's hard to, to beat Brazilian, like Tex-Mex and yeah. uh, Cajun. You know, I mean, that's just 
there's, there's good cooking all through the South, but those are like the gold standard of where everything comes from. Yeah, like my sister's Christmas present to me every year because she lives in New Orleans. Is she just brings me up like five canisters of Tony Satchery's? Like she's just <laughs> like, here you go. That's right. I still need to get you some uh, some Cajun seasoning. Need to whip Ooh. up a batch. That's right. We were talking about that a while back, but had so many irons yeah. in the fire. We were talking about it back oh. during deer season. Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. That's crazy. Oh. I thought about deer season the other day, and it gave me sh- gave me the shakes. I was like, "No, <laughs> it's coming! It's coming!" No, already. No, <laughs> we got a while yet. We got a while yet. We got a while. We got a while. Still time. Uh, let's <laughs> see here. Shit. Anybody got any other questions or any thoughts or whatnot? I may I may close in the recording after a bit here. We'll see, but let me check on comments over here. See if there's anything new. Uh, Lisa said, yeah, it sucks to take a loss, but sometimes it's the ethical choice. They end up going back to the earth, continuing the life cycle. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, even if it is a loss, it's feeding something, whether it's us or not. It just, it sucks to lose it, but it it, it sucks a lot worse to get, like, food poisoning. So. <laughs> right. Uh, oh. So what you got coming up, uh, Kyle? I know you were talking about uh, doing rabbits on your next show, but you got anything uh, fun coming up video-wise? This is going to be a little bit of a lighter week. I thought about, I brought the tripod out today mm-hmm. and then about halfway through the day, I was like, there's no way I'm filming any of any, yeah, I'm, any, I'm, the rest of today. I'm too <laughs> um, Yeah. No, I was going to do like a more in-depth Chuck breakdown because I think that's what I'm going to do now on the shop side because I've done, the only animal I haven't like slaughtered and broke down is sheep and goats which mm-hmm. will be coming at some point. Um, so I think I'm just going to go through beef and like break down each individual primal, like not time-lapsed. Like, right. this is what you do here. This is how you I do this. So that'll more than likely be coming up. And then I think I'm going to film getting the cows out to um, – the big pasture yeah. and just kind of do like another farm walkthrough. Cause some, some stuff has changed and a bunch of stuff's been moved around since the last one I did. So I think I'm just going to intermediately just keep posting those of just like, Hey, like in case you haven't watched like all of the videos, this is what's been going on here kind of thing. So going to do one of those. So yeah. And then that massive pig pasture. That's haunting me. Oh, the massive pig pasture. Sounds like fun. I think it's like three acres that is going to be all woven, wired, and with electric. <laughs> with oh, a catch I, I don't envy you. I don't. That's no. a project. That is a project. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot. But at least you're like a weird nihilist and you, you like like suffering. As a masochist, that's right. You are a fencing masochist. You like fencing work. And I'm like, yeah, I dread it. I hate it. I hate every bit of it. I love it. There's something about it because it's like when I'm on it and it's it is probably because I'm married with two kids, too, that it's like I have to go build this fence. So I have to go outside for eight hours. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's your escape. Okay, I got you. Right. It's the lesser of two sufferings. Be, okay. <laughs> I would rather be covered in dirt, sweating, probably dehydrated. Then have to explain why water is wet some days. That sounds <laughs> kind of like having two young girls is being covered in sweat, covered in dirt, and dehydrated most of the time. I mean, it's probably isn't it the same thing, just in different. No, places? it's pretty accurate. Like, yeah. <laughs> so my baseline is just hell. So it's like, oh, I get to go outside and listen to a bunch of podcasts and build a fence. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll great, right? You're like, yeah, no, I I came from hell, a Nazi freaking prison camp. Actually, doesn't sound that bad to me. Let's go, let's go great. build some fence. You know, <laughs> like, do you want me to do it with a weight vest? Because I will. Like, I'll add that. Man, I'm glad I, I waited till the end of the podcast to actually say that, in case, just in case they want to try to kick me off of all the platforms. <laughs> Sometimes I forget how we're recording this shit. Oh, oh this is going man. On live. Wait, no. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, no. But once it's one of those things, I know once it's done, it'll all be worth it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's definitely worth it. I'm just it. dreading. Just... I'm just because the next step is for me to reel in all of the electric line that's already yeah. out on a four strand Ugh. pasture. Lisa just said her damn pig screwed up the woven wire fence. Now they just crawl under it. I I never run woven wire without electric as well. Yeah, I would I would definitely run electric, and I would actually really consider. And this is just me. Now it'd be expensive as shit, uh, and it's not probably not going to work very well on on larger runs. It'd be more of like small runs. But uh, you ever right. see like they do on some of these really heavy duty dog kennels where they'll they'll take some of that yeah. steel cable and they run a tension wire around the bottom. Where it's basically yeah, just I've like, seen that. yeah, ratcheted in and yeah, like if you're it makes it a lot like, harder to push that wire up. Right. Yeah. If you're only doing like two pigs, yeah, you can get away with like a small setup. And yeah. You can just but if you're get, trying like, to do that many acres, long hog panels, that it's like as soon as you put those in the ground, they're gonna be it's gonna be tough to move those. Yeah. But when not like. I just don't trust them. So I don't blame you. I've had pigs get out of those. The electric too. is what is keeping them in. The woven yeah. wire is just added security that oh, could yeah. give a power outage or something. And someone's like one of them's an asshole and just wants to stood that it, they're still gonna have to fight. To one get of them gets mad and like suplexes the other one into the fence and it just they don't yeah, care exactly. about the wire at that point in that moment, you know. <laughs> I've only right. seen this yeah, happen. Exactly. And I've seen them take down a whole electric fence uh, set up because one pig threw another pig into the electric fence. Right. No, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, I know once it's all done, it'll be worth it because I also oh, yeah. just mentally added the catch pen setup that I'm going to build like yeah. <laughs> at the entrance. But I'm like, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I'll it'll be never happen. It'll never happen, and I'll be cursing myself because yeah. we're getting we're going to be running ten pigs in there this year, and then probably another 10, 10 or so next year because we're going to have two litters at the same time. Because I'm insane, <laughs> two litters of different ages. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, it'll be it'll be something. But it happens. It happens. That's that's you, you don't do anything halfway. No, I never do. But <laughs> we all said to separate our boar out because he put yeah, a big old that. hole inside of our guilt. 
So didn't seem to phase her one bit though. No, I could stick my whole finger in it and she just didn't even flinch. Pigs are pigs are tough. Pigs yeah. are just they're just bulletproof, man. Uh, just soaked down with the iodine spray and just yep. was like, all right. Jesus, take the wheel. There you go. The rest of your pregnancy goes well. I'm sure she'll be fine. Pigs seem to shrug off so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, I'm probably going to at least stop the recording side so I can get the audio side uploaded here in the background. But I'm going to leave the nest open and we can all bullshit for as long as we want to. But, uh, everybody, thanks for stopping in for episode 48. Yep. Again, be sure to uh, check out. I'll probably run a nest, like I said, sometime later this week. It'll probably be closer to, like, Friday before I have uh, an evening to do so. But uh, then if I do that, that'll make next Tuesday episode 50, which is the big giveaway episode. So be sure to tune in because the majority of giveaways are going to be live. Like I said earlier on the show, though, if you do go to renegadebutcher.com, sign up for the email list. I am going to run one separate drawing just for folks that sign up this week. So that'll be a new little bit of incentive there for some folks. But that said, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Renegade Butcher Show. Check all this stuff out. If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Noster and all the other places at Renegade Butcher. And uh, we will catch you guys all later.